Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hill Spring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. Mark chapter 14 is where we is this morning. And, and Jesus has just finished up with his 12 disciples, the kind of their big festival feast. You know what I'm saying? For us, we celebrate Christmas. That's really kind of our, our big holiday in terms of the time off and the money spent and families getting together. I know we have lots of holidays that, that do all that, but, but their Passover was where Jewish people celebrated their exodus out of Egypt, that Moses led them out of all that slavery. Okay? So really it was kind of their, their big festival. And so Jesus, with his 12 disciples, they're celebrating that big grand feast. In the middle of that moment, in the middle of that kind of meal, Judas would get up and leave. Jesus kind of calls him out and Judas leaves. And he goes to actually betray Jesus. He goes to the Jewish leaders that have been trying to catch Jesus or arrest Jesus. And Judas goes to them in the dark of night and says, I can lead you right to him. And they do. They will go, Judas will lead them right to Jesus. They will arrest him. And then the trial will begin. From this point on, Judas is no longer counted among the 12 disciples. Like Mark doesn't even talk about him again. The other disciples or the other gospels give us some insight as to what happens to Judas. But Mark's, Mark, Mark's kind of done mentioning him. Okay, And so the important part is from this point on when it references the disciples, it will reference the 11 because that's what happened to Judas. All right, so Mark chapter 14, verse 26. Has anybody ever done something really stupid? Like today, you know what I'm saying? Like we're gonna, we're gonna relate to that part of the story. Not that I'm calling one of the characters Stupid, but I mean, I've, I've done dumb things that I, I live to regret. And I think you'll, you'll, you'll kind of see that in this moment. Verse 26, then they sang a hymn, they being the other 11 disciples, and they went out to the Mount of Olives. So they had just finished the Passover celebration and they leave. Verse 27, on the way, Jesus told them, all of you will desert me. For the scripture says, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered but after I'm raised from the dead, it's important. He's reaffirming to them what's going to happen. After I'm raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee, which is a pretty good little jaunt, but that's where Jesus did a lot of his ministry. And I'll meet you up there. Peter, this is the character we're gonna kind of talk about today. Peter said to him, well, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. My mama told me, don't ever say never, okay? Jesus replied, Listen, buddy, like if that was, the, if I trained, I'd be like, listen, buddy, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. Verse 31, no, exclamation point. Like it, he's, Peter declared emphatically, no. And even if I have to die with you, I'll never deny you. And all the other vows, the same. Yeah, me too. Yeah, what he said. Me, me too. Me too, right? Okay. We all have those moments in our life that weren't necessarily our brightest moments, right? Like it wouldn't necessarily go down in history as our best days. 
Maybe we're tired, maybe we were weak, maybe we were exhausted, maybe we were frustrated, maybe we were angry, maybe we were hungry, maybe we were lonely. I don't know. We can make this long list of excuses for why we behave that way, but we all have those moments that if we could get in a time machine and go back in time, I would have said that differently or not said anything at all, right? I, I would have responded differently or, or I would have made a different decision. And, and we know, like, as time goes and emotions kind of calm down and kind of forgiveness is introduced into that situation, right? That some of that kind of, but, but we all have that moment, that thing we did that we regretted. Maybe it was a stupid thing. I wouldn't know as I had my fair share, right? Just one of those things I put my hand in my, what was I doing? Come on, Kellogg, wake up, right? Okay. I believe we've come to this part of the story with Jesus where one of his closest companions has this kind of head in his hand moment that he's going to deeply regret. And I personally think you'll even see that in his language when we open up another story, okay? It's Peter's denial of knowing Jesus. All four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four Gospels tell this story. Now, some give the details just a little bit different, kind of in a different order, but all four tell the story. Mark chapter 14, we see the bravery, we see the determination, we see the loyalty of Peter. Jesus, I'll go wherever you go. Even if I have to die with you, I'll never deny you. And right there in that moment, Jesus kind of looks at him and goes, bruh, like he prophesies to him, like before the night is over, you're gonna deny me three times. And after this exchange where Peter makes all these big, bold promises and Jesus is like, I'm just telling you, man, that ain't how this is gonna go. Before the rooster crows, before the sun comes up, you're gonna have denied me three times. If you keep reading in Mark chapter 14, you're gonna see that Jesus goes to the garden of Gethsemane and prays. You're gonna see Judas actually betray Jesus and he comes and kisses Jesus on the cheek and they then arrest Jesus and then they take him and part of his trial has begun, right? And so verse 50 of Mark 14 is important to note. It says, then all the disciples, keep in mind Judas is gone, so now the remaining disciple, all the disciples deserted Jesus and ran away. The story picks up in verse 66 back with Peter. And by the way, Peter's the only one to show his face again. Meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard. Jesus is in there, he's being interrogated, like he can, like he's close, he's not in the room, but Peter's kind of in the courtyard below, outside. And one of the servants' girls who worked for the high priest came and she noticed Peter warming himself at the fire and she looked at him closely and said, you're one of those. You're one of those that's with Jesus of Nazareth, verse 68. Peter denied it. There's one. Girl, I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And then he went out into the entryway and a rooster crowed. Verse 69, when, when the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling the others, this man's definitely one of them. And Peter denied it again. There's two. A little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, you must be one of them because you're Galilean. Verse 71, Peter swore a curse. Okay, this is not son of a Baptist preacher. That's not what this is, right? It's not that kind of swearing, you know? It's, I thought that was funny. Y'all wait. This is not, you know, going off like a Tasmanian bottle rocket cussing people out. 
You don't have room in the gospel to cuss at people, right? Okay. So Peter, like, I promise, scouts honor swore, and then I curse is not, you know, it's literally a curse on myself if I'm lying. I don't know this man that you're talking about. Verse 72, immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Where the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times that you even know me. It says Peter broke down and wept. Peter's denial of Jesus. Kind of a low point. I think it's a moment that would kind of haunt him in the back of his mind, maybe even until he died. I don't have to think very hard so I can find my moment of regret. You probably don't have to, like if you just think about it, oh man, I have done plenty of stuff in my life that I regret. I said, I promised, I failed, I acted, I overreacted, I behaved. Like we just don't have to go very far in the halls of our memory until we find those moments that we regret. So I think the first big takeaway from this story for you and I, quite frankly, of the three we're gonna talk about, I feel like it's the hardest, maybe for me. The first thing is, our lesson here is don't walk away from Jesus. Remember it said, they all deserted Jesus. And and I don't wanna stand up here going, look how spiritual I am, I would have never. That's, That's not, I'm not trying to criticize Peter for a snap decision that he made in this politically, socially, emotionally charged moment. I'm I'm not. My intent is not to say, oh, Peter, you failed. Had I been there, I would have stayed by his side. They could have killed me. I'm not looking like Peter, you weakling. That's not what I'm after. Number one, when I got to heaven, I'd probably get a butt whooping by Peter. Like, you don't even know, right? Okay, that's, I'm not trying to criticize Peter. It's not my intent, okay? Because I wasn't there. I mean, I I understand the circumstances. I can kind of imagine the circumstances. The Bible gives us some detail, but it's only in my imagination. My mind is missing some of the details of the fear that Peter's experiencing. My mind can't, it can kind of imagine some of the sights, but it can't hear all the sounds and the feelings and the smell. My mind cannot reproduce what Peter is experiencing in that moment. And so I want to give the brother some credit and the other disciples, right? I don't know exactly what he's going through. I don't know what I would have done in that moment. I'd probably be the first one to leave. He was the only one that dared show his face again. He was the only one that we hear about until Jesus actually gets to the cross. And then John shows up at the feet of the cross. So kudos to Peter. He might have, he might have deserted Jesus when he was arrested He might have denied Jim, but at least we see him showing back up in that moment. This is something they all, 11, probably regretted. So listen, the lesson's for me, maybe you, but the lesson's for me is when life gets hard, when fear takes the forefront, when the thing you envisioned is ending, what you hope for feels hopeless, Like, hang on to Jesus. Don't walk away. Don't abandon Jesus in those moments. Because I have. I've kind of walked away from Jesus into my own little version of a pity party. God, I served you. Lord, I'm a preacher. Lord, I've I've tried really hard. I mean, I've given, I've served, I've I've given my life and my family all. And Lord, you let this happen to me. I mean, Peter could have said, I dropped my fishing nets. 
I gave up my small business. I left my wife at home alone so I could go take these little mission trips with you, Jesus. And even more than that, he could say, I believed your words. When the crowds were leaving you, Jesus, I believe that you alone had the words of life. And now here you are facing death. Sometimes in the heaviness of hopeless, I know for me it's easy to go, I'm out. Forget this. I'm, I, can't, I, I'm, I can't. I can't do this anymore. And we just kind of step away from Jesus. Now listen, I'm not talking about stepping away from your faith. I'm not talking about stepping away from your salvation. I'm not talking about walking away from Christianity. I'm talking about walking away from spiritual things in your life, your spiritual walk, your desire to spiritually grow. Maybe those spiritual dis disciplines in your life. You know, maybe just kind of push away from the spiritual people that are there encouraging you. There's these seasons where we can just kind of give up on church. God, I'm out. I, listen, I know you love me. I just don't think you like me right now. Like in our frustration, there's a temptation to just kind of give up on God. God, you, sometimes he just feels like this all-controlling CEO you know what I'm saying? That he's in charge and he makes all the decisions, whether I agree with him or not, he's gonna make all these decisions that are kind of best for the company, right? And so at times I have seen God as this CEO instead of seeing him as a loving father. And so be careful not to walk away from God. In our frustration, we do what the 11 disciples did and we can walk away Jesus. And I'm certain they all regretted it. I feel like as we read the words of Peter, and we're going to see it in a different gospel here in just a second, I feel like Peter regretted it more than most. Okay? So I don't, I don't I'm probably preaching to myself. I just need to sit down and enjoy this and take notes. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm talking to you or not because my encouragement to myself is do whatever it takes to stay connected to Jesus. Don't walk away. Don't desert him when you need him most. And this is hard because when the emotions are heavy and frustration is high and you feel like God has abandoned you, you feel like God's not hearing you, my temptation is to go, I'm just, this, this of the three things we're gonna talk about, this one is hard to find the staying power to stay connected to Jesus. My second point, don't stop reading because the story's not over. You have to take the whole story in context. You can't just read Mark chapter 14. You have to get a bigger picture of the whole story. So my daughter was sick most of the week this week, and so she, we let her stay home from school. And one of her friends from school, he's been a you know, family friend for several years. He actually works for me on Friday nights. He runs one of the cameras for our broadcast crew. And he had texted me. He has a lot of classes with Kaylee. And he had texted me, and he says, hey, I have some of Kaylee's work from school. If you want me to bring it by, I can just bring it by and give it to you. And I'm like, man, that'd be awesome. And he said, okay, great. I'll be there 3.30 or so. And so that happened on Wednesday, which we had an amazing first Wednesday. And so I completely forgot that Asher was bringing by some work for Kaylee. And so I was getting ready for first Wednesday, kind of wrapping up my prep there and was, was you know, trying to come in. And so I hop in the shower and I completely forgot that Asher was coming. And so I'm in the shower, singing along, you know what I'm saying? I hear a man's voice. Hello? 
like right outside my bathroom door. And I turn off the water and I go, hello? And I probably didn't sound very manly. Hello? It's me, Asher. Oh, bro, I am so sorry. Oh, my gosh. I completely forgot. Hang on one second. And so I grab my phone, like the water's still running in the shower, and I'm calling Kaylee like seven times, trying to wake her up. Hey, Asher's here with your homework. Can you come down and get it from him or whatever? And I'm like, bro, how'd you get in? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's like, well, the door was kind of unlocked. I go, I don't even want to know what that means. Like, I don't, I don't even want to know. That's not even the funny part of the story, okay? So as I said, Asher works for me on Friday nights. He runs one of the video cameras for our high school football broadcast. And so when we go on road games, we will always just kind of plan enough time to stop and eat. And so our team is on the road. And so there we were sitting at Charlie's Chicken and our whole team's there. And Asher's dad, he's a part of that broadcast team too. So I felt comfortable that I could kind of tell this story. And so we're all, everybody's kind of finally at the table and we're all eating whatever. And I wait for the perfect moment. And I go, well, boys, you haven't lived until you get out of the shower and you're greeted by Asher. To which one of them said, if I get out of the shower and Asher's there, I'm gonna start throwing punches. <laughs> and I said, the whole table kind of nervously laughed, <laughs> except for Asher. He's like, wait, 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 the whole, you didn't tell the whole story. Like Asher never saw me naked, you know what I'm saying? I feel like there's multiple Title IX violations. All my school people are freaking out right now, right? He was right. I didn't tell the whole story. I told just enough for it to be funny and kind of put this look on his face like, <gasps> I mean, it was funny, but they didn't get to see the whole picture. If you just read, and I talked about this a minute ago, if you just read the first two chapters of the book of Job, you read about a guy that is blessed and has a lot of kids and a lot of livestock and loses everything. And if you stop short you miss the ending of Job, where it says that the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life more than he did in the first. If you just read the first half of the story where Daniel is thrown in the lion's den, that's a bad day for Daniel. I mean, a king that he loved and a king that he served, and they had a very close relationship. The king did not have his back when Daniel needed it. Daniel gets thrown into this prison cell, which is full of hungry lions. That's a bad day. Don't stop short. Don't stop reading, because if you keep reading, you will see what Daniel says in Daniel 6.22. For my God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they couldn't hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight. Don't stop reading. If you just stop reading when they lay Jesus' dead body in a cold, dark tomb... You miss the power of the story. It's just a crucifixion. You can't stop reading. You have to keep going. You have to read about the Sunday morning resurrection. The same thing is true, Mark chapter 14. You can't just read Mark 14. You can't just take it out of context. You have to put it in the context of the whole story. Now, for some reason, Mark doesn't tell this part of the story. John does. And I also find this interesting that Peter, the person in this story that denied Jesus, Peter was the source for Mark's gospel. So for some reason, Mark didn't include this, Peter didn't tell him that part or whatever, but there is a conclusion in this story that John, who is one of Peter's good friends, tells. So if you got your Bible, turn over to John chapter 21. 
Because you're going to see, I mean, Mark just tells about Peter's denial. John ties the bow on it and said, hold on, not so fast. There's more to this story. Okay, Jesus has been crucified. He's been laid in a cold, dark tomb on Friday. On Sunday morning, that Easter Sunday morning, he is resurrected. For 40 days, he walks, he talks, he reveals himself to over 500 people. Over 500 people saw the resurrected Jesus, okay? The tomb's empty. The Savior's risen. This is great news. He really is the Messiah. Where are the disciples? They scattered. Some of them had gone back to their old life. Remember that first lesson with don't, don't walk away from Jesus? Some of them had just... John chapter 21, I won't put this on the screen, but it tells us that Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John. Peter, James, and John were Jesus' three closest companions. We believe that Peter knew James and John prior to even being a disciple. So you got Simon, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, and John, and then two other unnamed disciples, but they were still a part of that 11, right? They're there in John chapter 21, verse 3, Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. I at least thought Pastor Joe would amen me. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you don't know what to do, go fishing. Amen? There you go. Good news. Jesus is resurrected. It's a miracle. He's the son of God. Good news. And Peter says, yeah, that's awesome, but I'm gonna gonna go. I'm uh, I'm gonna go back to my old life. I'm I'm gonna go back to my old job. Why? And and the Bible really doesn't say. So this is me. Don't get in an argument with anybody about this, but like if if I'm Peter, these are the thoughts that are in my head. And I'm not saying this is what happened. I'm just saying this is me. My thoughts would be, man, Jesus probably don't want me. And there was that moment where I promised him that I would be by his side. And I failed him, but not only that, I had a chance to tell people about who he was. And I said, no, I don't even know that guy. I denied it. Jesus, I'm disqualified. Jesus probably doesn't even want me on his team. I failed him. Peter went back to his old ways, his old job, his old life. He went back to what was comfortable. He went back to what he knew. So in John chapter 21, Jesus shows up. He's looking for him. He sees him off out there fishing. He's like, hey, Throw your nets on the other side. Like they pull in this big haul of fish and Jesus is up on the bank and he's cooking breakfast for them, okay? And he waits for them to come ashore. And this is the conversation found in John chapter 21. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, okay? And Peter is a confusing individual because he's Simon, son of John, Simon Peter. Sometimes he's Peter. It's, it's the same guy, Simon Peter, Simon You know what I'm saying? It's the same person. And here Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Same person, Simon, son of John, Peter replied. Same person. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question. Now, we don't know how much time transpires between the period at the end of verse 15 and the beginning of verse 16. Like it could have been, Jesus could have told some dad jokes, passed the tartar sauce, who needs seconds? Like we don't know, but it says, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Quite possibly, Simon, do you love me? 
Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Verse 17, a third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. Listen, sometimes God wants to do a restoration in your life, and it's gonna hurt. Like, he, he's more concerned about your healing than he is your hurt feelings. Mic drop, be done. Okay, come on. And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time because Jesus, just like us, Peter doesn't see what Jesus is trying to do. Sometimes God walks us through stuff and we don't see what God's trying to do. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Don't stop reading because Mark didn't tell those story. John does. You have to tie some connections between Mark's telling of Peter denying Jesus, but how John resolves this story. The crucifixion is incomplete without a resurrection. Job's story is incomplete unless you read the ending where Job was more blessed in the second half of his life. Peter's denial in Mark 14 is incomplete without his restoration that's found in John chapter 21. So here's the, here's the big deal today. Number three, don't reject the redeeming grace of Jesus. Man, I'm so thankful for the grace of God. I do not deserve to be who I am. I don't deserve the family I have. I don't deserve the beautiful wife that I have, the awesome kids that I have. I don't. I would not be the person I am if it wasn't for the redeeming grace of Jesus. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see. I was a failure, but now I'm redeemed. I was addicted, and he has set me free. Come on, somebody ought to say amen. A couple of things to note really don't have to do with this point number three, but it's just fun facts of Brent, right? Okay, so John chapter 21. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Okay, Jesus calls him Simon, son of John. He calls him by an old name. He doesn't use his new nickname for him anymore. This is why, this is why Simon Peter is confusing. It's because he's got names flying everywhere, but it's the same person. Simon, son of John, Simon Peter, Peter. What's the guy's name? In Mark chapter three, Jesus, like there's this moment and he goes, I'm no longer gonna call you Simon. I'm gonna call you Peter, which means the rock. You are the rock. And I wonder if this is a subtle way of Jesus reminding Simon, hey, remember that whole rock thing? You weren't looking so rockish when you denied knowing me, right? And at first we're like, Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus wouldn't call him out like that. I don't think Jesus is calling him out. I think Jesus is pointing out, hey, Simon, you remember that night you failed? I know. You denied me three times, but right now I'm going to give you an opportunity to affirm me three times. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now in front of all these people to say, that you love me. It's an opportunity for restoration. I don't know why Jesus used his old name, but I find it interesting that he called him Simon instead of Peter. Then Jesus said, do you love me more than these? Kind of an interesting question. 
When you read that, like at first reading, it sounds like he's standing here. There's seven disciples there that day. Simon Peter's one of them. It's like Jesus is saying, Simon, do you love me more than these six guys love me? Like, do, you, do you think you love me more than all the other guys love me? So I'm like, I read that and I'm like, I just don't, I don't think Jesus is pitting these guys in a love competition. So when you go back and you look in the original language at the word these, it can be translated these things or these matters. So I mean, it could be, Peter, do you love me more than these other guys do? Lord, you know I do, okay? Or Jesus is asking, Peter, do you love me more than these things? That load of fish that you just hauled in, which by the way is gonna be worth a lot of money. These boats. Do you love me more than your old job? Do you love me more than the things that are familiar in your life? Do you love me more than these things that are safe that you know? Do you love me more than these things? When things got tough for Peter, he just went back to the same old life, the old place, the old habit, the old familiar. And Jesus is asking him, Peter, do you love me more than that old life? Until we fall more in love with Jesus than we do the old things that pull on us, we're gonna constantly be in this cycle of regret with bad decisions that we make. Peter had walked away from the fishing business once. Jesus was asking him, Peter, will you do it again? Will you, do you love me enough to walk away from this again? And Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. I wanna read 17 again. He says, a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that John asked this question or that Jesus asked this question a third time. Lord, you know everything. Why are you asking me this? You know that I love you. I, I, I mean, you can almost hear Peter with a little bit of sarcasm. Okay, okay, okay. I see what this is about. You're still mad about the whole denial thing. Okay. You know I'm a sinful man. You know I make mistakes. And if you know all that, Jesus, you should know I love you. It was important for Jesus to ask Peter three times, do you love me? Because Peter denied him three times. Those three times of asking him is like restoration for the three times that Peter denied him. Here's the kicker. It was it was just a moment for Peter. Yes, it kind of hurt his feelings. Yes, it was just kind of frustrating that Jesus kept asking maybe a three-minute conversation after breakfast. It just took a moment for Peter, but it is this beautiful story of reconciliation and redemption for generations to come to be able to read. It's here today so you and I can look at this and go, hey, I've had those moments where I was stupid and I walked away and I did things I wish I regret, but Jesus is still in the redeeming business. It was just a moment for Peter, but it's a reminder for you and I. Listen, don't reject the redeeming grace of our Savior. Three times denied knowing Jesus, three times had the opportunity to affirm his love and devotion for Jesus. It's this beautiful story of redemption. I love this part. It's almost if Jesus is saying, Peter, listen, you're forgiven. Now go forgive yourself. I mean, sometimes, for some of us, it's easier to believe that God, who is supernatural, has the ability to forgive us. It's easier to believe that than for us to forgive ourselves. 
Some of you in here are living in a prison of unforgiveness, not towards other people, but you can't forgive yourself. And Jesus is saying, Peter, you're forgiven. Now go forgive yourself because you got stuff to do. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said. For the third time, then feed my sheep. This is what he's saying. Peter, we gotta get past this because you got work to do. You're forgiven. Forgive yourself. I know you messed up, but we've reaffirmed that, Peter. Everybody standing here knows you love me. They've heard you say it three times. We've gotta get past this because you have work to do. Peter, you are not disqualified. I get it, I get it, you messed up, but there is grace in restoration. Peter, you've got work to do. You can't stay here. You can't stay in your old habits. You can't stay in your old job and your old way of life. You can't stay in what's comfortable. You gotta get up, you gotta get better, you gotta keep going, you gotta keep growing, and brother, you gotta get to work. Peter, feed my sheep. Failure is not final. So don't walk away from Jesus when you need him most. Don't stop reading. Your story's not over. Don't stop reading. And don't reject the redeeming grace of Jesus. And I believe God brought somebody here today because you need to hear that. This is exactly what you need to hear. You are beating yourself up over something you did, you made a mistake, you know, you believe God's forgiven, you can't forgive yourself, and you just keep, listen, you gotta get past this because we got work to do. Or maybe you're beating yourself up over something that's not even your fault. You just keep trying to blame yourself, keep trying to blame yourself. Listen, it's time to put the frustration away, embrace what God is asking you. Let's get past this and get back to work. Don't reject the grace of God. This, this is what's, what's interesting. Peter really didn't have to do anything to earn this second chance. Like he didn't have to go to any class. Like there was no celebrate recovery for denial. Like he didn't have to give a bunch of money to get by himself back into Jesus' good graces. He didn't have to clean himself up. You know what I'm saying? Jesus just offered it. He cooked him breakfast. That's the thing, same thing that God is offering to you today. You can't buy it, you can't earn it, you can't clean yourself up enough for the redeeming grace of God. My friends, I beg you, if you're here today and you are not in a relationship with Jesus, don't reject that invitation. Or maybe, maybe Jesus is your savior. You did that, but you walked away in frustration. You felt like God had abandoned you, life got too heavy, and you walked away. And listen, He's watching, he's waiting, he's running towards you to come home today. Is Jesus your savior? Have you, have you, ever, done, have you ever completely surrendered your life to him? Maybe, maybe, maybe you did that once upon a time and you walked away. Like you feel like you lost the relationship but it's still there. You just lost connectivity, you just need to come home. And I wanna help you do that today. Here's, here's the gospel, plain, pure, and simple, that all of us, all of us have done those stupid things. All of us have sinned. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And while I was dead and stuck, there wasn't anything I could do. God sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus. 
when Jesus shed his blood, the book of Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There's no forgiveness of sin. So Jesus shed his blood so that you and I could be forgiven of our sin so we could be restored to our creator. Book of Romans says, if I'd confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in my heart, God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. Not maybe, not might, not could be, you will. And I wanna help you this morning to confess and believe. There's two different people. There's folks that have never done that. You've never given your life to Christ. And today, you need to confess and believe that Jesus is your savior. There's some of you that did that some time ago. You just need to come back. Same prayer. Here's what I'm gonna do all across this room. Nobody moving around. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you know you're not in right relationship with Jesus, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna ask you to walk the aisle. I'm simply gonna lead you in this prayer. It's the best way I know how to confess and believe. You ready? If that's you, just right there at your seat, just whisper this prayer, dear Heavenly Father. Right there, just dear Heavenly Father. I come to you today because I need you. I have made a lot of mistakes in my life. I don't want that anymore. Would you forgive me? Would you come into my life? Would you change me? Make me a new person? Today, Jesus, I surrender my whole life to you. All across this room, every head is still bowed, every eye is still closed, no one's moving around. If you prayed that prayer, I'm not gonna call you out, I'm not gonna embarrass you, I just wanna simply pray for you. If you prayed that prayer with me, just slip up your hand. Anybody here today? Okay, in the back. All right, I see that, I see that. Anybody else? Okay, over here, I see that. Okay, awesome. Spirit of the living God, you see these hands this morning of hearts coming home, maybe for the very first time, surrendering Jesus, becoming their savior. Some maybe did that a long time ago, but today they're coming back. Father, I thank you for grace. I thank you for restoration. I thank you for Peter's story because it's our story. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit just encompass them and empower them. God, I pray you just fill them. Bring great Christians in their life to help them take their next step of obedience. God, I pray you give them a hunger for the word to just keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. Help them to understand it's hard sometimes. God, I love you. And I thank you for these hands and hearts this morning saying yes to faith. God, I love being a part of church. So I'm do whatever it takes short of sin to see people connect with their creator. In the beautiful and matchless name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody says, amen. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.